we see the Garden of Gethsemane and, and Jesus' suffering. We see the same account uh, in, in Matthew 26. We see the same account in Luke 22 and John 18 and Mark 14. And at John 18, we see Peter gets so violent about what's being uh, taken place here in the garden that he cuts off Malchus's ear and Jesus heals him. So the application tonight that we see in Matthew 26 is previous to our verse, we have Peter uh, being warned that he's going to, to deny Jesus three times. We also see in our verses here that he, Jesus will be falsely accused, he'll be arrested, he'll be tried, he'll be nailed to a cross, and we, we know the gospel. I hope that we know the gospel and the plan of salvation that follows that, but Matter of fact, in verse 56, we didn't read it tonight, but you see that Jesus uh, eventually will be forsaken by all of his disciples. And what a sad, sad situation when all of those who were closest to the Lord fled him in his time of need, because that's what Jesus is in right here. He's, he's in agony. And he had told them time and time again, be aware of your surroundings. Pay attention. He told them twice to stay awake and watch with me. And I can only assume he said it three times, uh, or they fell asleep three times, because the third time he said, all right, go ahead and take a break, take a rest. And what, what I think about this, and whenever I, I think of how this applies to my life, I think how often I fall asleep, and how often I'm not aware of my surroundings, and how often I fail the Lord, and how often I am likely to fall into to temptation whenever I do that. We, we see this in, in, in verse 40, 41 of Matthew 26. We see that Jesus is warning them not to fall asleep. And the reason he's saying it is because there is temptation afoot. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So one of the things that I want to talk about tonight, if you know me very well, you know that my time in the military was something that left an indelible mark on my life. It's something that shaped who I am. I went over to Iraq in 2005. Uh, I went over a little boy, and I came back somewhat of a grown man. Of course, that's debatable even today. But... I went over, and it changed my perspective. It changed my life. Uh, I went to basic training February of 2001. And actually, my uncle's here tonight. He's a former drill sergeant. And he gave me some really good advice. And he told me, he said, uh, good luck, private. You're going to need it. So, and he was right. I, I cried the entire way in the airplane. First time I'd ever flown. I was scared to death. The airplane took a bank right out the airport. And I thought, well, this is how it ends. And anyway, I get to basic training, and... First thing off the bus, I start getting hollered at, and I think, well, I have really made a mistake. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm 20 years old, first time away from home, but when I get to basic training, and I have thousands of stories about basic training, so I'm going to try to keep it short, but I get to basic training, and we get to our platoon for our actual basic training, and I begin to realize this is serious. This is serious business. There's a, there's a, a serious element to serving in the military and one of the very first things that the drill sergeants tried to instill in us was to be aware of our surroundings. They told us uh, to pay attention to what we're doing, that this can save your life one day. Because um, I had chosen to serve in the military, therefore there was always a chance that I was going to go to war. And my mom, when I joined, she cried her eyes out. And I was just a National Guardsman, and at that time there wasn't a war going on anywhere in the world the United States was going to be involved in. I tried to tell her, Mom, don't cry, it's going to be okay. I'm never going to go to war, Mom. Of course, three years later, I actually do go to war, so I had to eat a little bit of crow. But I get to basic training, and one of the things that they drilled into me was the saying that I know the teens here have heard me say a lot. And it is the mantra, stay alert, stay alive. If I say stay alert, they will automatically fill in the gap and say, 
stay alive. Absolutely right. Well, they didn't, the drill sergeant just didn't tell me that. They yelled it at me. Morning, noon, and night for 63 days. I got yelled at. Anytime the drill sergeants were walking through the Bay Area and they hollered out, stay alert, we would have to holler out, stay alive. So this was something that burned into my memory forever. I mean, it's been 20-something years, 22 years since I've been out of AIT, and I still remember this like it was yesterday. So if we, I think if we were to apply this to our lives, we will see that if we are to stay alert in our Christian walk, if we're to stay alert in our Christian life, we have to stay awake, we have to be alive, we have to see our surroundings. And I even put here to stay alert in our Christian walk, we have to stay alive, to stay alive in our Christian life. So if we don't stay alert in our Christian walk, we will falter in our Christian life. So we need to be aware of our surroundings. As a matter of fact, it was a commandment to the disciples. We see that right here. Stay alert, stay alive, stay alert, stay Watch with me. And then he even asked Peter, could you not watch with me for one hour? So it, it marvels at me. And, and the reason why this is important is you see these disciples, Peter, James, and John, you see them falling asleep constantly. Jesus is in a moment of agony. He's also warning them there are dangers around you. After all, we do see that the, the soldiers come and seize Jesus. He's betrayed by Judas, and the soldiers come and betray Jesus. And he's trying to give his disciples one last bit of warning before he leaves. Hey, you're in danger. And I think that we as Christians need to heed that warning tonight. We need to be aware of the things around us. So tonight's message is entitled, The Three Stages of Awareness in Our World. And I believe that we can see these three stages of awareness in Matthew 26. So why should we be aware? I want you to think about this. In Matthew chapter 13, it was whenever men slept that the enemy crept in and so tares among the wheat. I want you to think about that tonight. It was while men slept that the enemy crept in and sowed the tares among the wheat. And if you know anything about the Christian life, you know that there are a lot of tares out there. Matter of fact, I want, to th I want you to think about it this way. Like I said, the military left an indelible mark on my life, so forgive me if I use a lot of illustrations. But as we set the scene tonight, imagine, if you will, if I had a grenade and I threw it into the baptistry. I don't, by the way. Don't worry, but if I had a grenade and I threw it into the baptistry and it blew up, most of you would perk up, probably. Most of you would wake up. Some of you might find the back door. But if I did it a second time and I threw it out into the aisles, everybody's going to run. Well, I, the reason I say that is I genuinely think tonight that this, this is exactly what the devil's doing. The devil has got a target on us, and he knows that every time we move, that we're in danger. But do we know that? Do we know that we're in danger today? I think there are spiritual grenades everywhere in our, li our lives. And I think we can see three stages tonight of awareness in Matthew 26. The first stage that I want you to think about of awareness is situational awareness. We can see in verse 38, I'll read it to you again. Then saith he unto them, my soul is exceeding sorrowful even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. He is telling them to watch with him because Jesus knows he's about to be betrayed. And he knows that he is about to be in danger. And he knows that if his disciples aren't careful, they are too. And I think we are in danger because we don't really recognize the situations we find ourselves in tonight. He's asking his disciples to not fall asleep. 
because there's danger ahead. We can see that in verse 41. To further that, let me read verse 41 to you. Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. So he asked them in verse 41, verse 40, to stay alert and stay alive. And the reason why he wants them to stay alert, to stay alive, is in verse 41, because there are temptations. One of the things that I do since I've been back from Iraq 17, 18 years ago is I always sit in a restaurant with my back to the door. Uh, back to a wall, and uh, I want to be able to see the door. So my back is actually to a wall so I can see the door. Anywhere I park, anytime I park somewhere, I back in. And my kids, they don't quite understand why I do that, but you never know when the zombie apocalypse is going to pop off. So I want to be ready for that. And I saw some head shaking. I think a couple other people are ready for that too. But you never know when you're going to need to get out of a situation very quickly. So I worked offshore, and you had to back in when you were at a facility. I worked in the military. In the military, you had to back in. So it's just something that's been ingrained in my life. But the Army taught me many, many things. And not only did they ingrain in me this idea of staying alert and staying alive, another one of their favorite sayings, the drill sergeants, was uh, situational awareness, teamwork is the key. Usually whenever they told me that, they weren't hollering at me. But it was still a mantra that, that I learned over a period of time. Situational awareness, teamwork is the key. Now, in October of 2005, from about September of 2000, September 30th, 2005, to about October 30th of 2005, was probably the roughest time of my life. Uh, we had been hit with many, many IEDs, many ambushes, many mortars, and things like that, and we were in a very perilous area, and we were out on patrol, and uh, as was the case. There, there was an ID that had been planted in the ground, and we had, we had smelled it. We had smelled the sulfur, we had smelled the ammonia, all the key components to make an ID, and we were talking to one another on our headsets, and we, we, were, we knew something was wrong because our skin was burning, and anytime that happens, there was a component for an ID somewhere. So immediately when we smelled it, we all did, because if you've ever smelled ammonia and sulfur or whatever, you know it's a, it's a very pungent smell, so we knew there was danger. We knew there was a situation that we probably needed to be getting out of. So our driver, Frankie, decided to step on the gas. We actually all kind of encouraged him to step on the gas. And when he did, we, we, we got probably, it was about five seconds into that gas pushing, that all of a sudden there was a, an ID that erupted underneath the ground. Uh, it was probably seven or eight. Uh, artillery shells. I, I think it was 152 millimeter howitzer rounds, about 90 something pounds. So you think about seven or eight of those underneath a road. Uh, I don't know how much that is mathematically, six, seven hundred pounds of ID material that's under the road. So it almost hit us broadside. But fortunately for us, we pushed through the kill zone just in time. So whenever it blew up, we missed it, or it most of it missed us. But we, up until that point, we had been extremely situationally aware because we knew we were in, an, in the Alambar province, which was a very treacherous area in 2005, mostly Marines there. So I looked back after the IED, and I looked back, it was about a 200-foot mushroom cloud in the air. Debris rained down for about 30 minutes. And at the same time, we're getting shot at from the right-hand side. Our snipers, who I didn't know were snipers at the time, were shooting about 200 meters this way on a guy on a tractor. And some of the, some of the young people know the, know the story there. I'm definitely not going to talk about it up here. But um, 
what I'm getting at is we were situationally aware at that point. And, and I want to demonstrate something. I have, I have something right here that I've used this illustration in chapel before. I don't know if I've ever actually used a pillow. But I have with me right here a piece of shrapnel that came from that IED. This piece of shrapnel ripped through our Humvee. And it didn't hit us broadside, thank the Lord. It did not hit us broadside. But what it did is it ripped through the back of our Humvee through a laundry bag that I had and through a sleeping bag that I had and had been wrapped around the sleeping bag and literally lodged into that hole right there. So whenever I get back from that mission that day, a couple of hours later, I start pulling my stuff out of my bag and I realize when I pull out my sleeping bag, my pillow is attached to the sleeping bag, all put together by this piece of shrapnel right here. So in that situation, I had to, I had to be alert. I had to be situationally aware and it's unfortunate that IEDs cost probably five or 6,000 lives uh, killed in action and multiple people who were maimed forever from these things. And I, I genuinely believe that tonight the devil's doing the same thing to us. You see, this piece of shrapnel right here, it was just by chance that it went through my Humvee. It was just by chance. It, I was the target. I was the gunner. Matter of fact, had I been standing up, I wouldn't be here today. I would not be able, I would, I, would, I would have died October the 5th, 2005. But because I was situationally aware, I had enough sense in that situation to sit down. Now, if we had ran over it, it, it wouldn't have mattered. It would have, the, the, the Humvee would have been obliterated. Fortunately for us, because we were situationally aware, we pushed through the kill zone, I was sitting down. Others were not as fortunate, and others really probably didn't have much chance anyway. But what I'm saying tonight is we need to be situationally aware. Insurgents would often tell townspeople that they needed to uh, evacuate whenever they were about ready to do something. So whenever we pull into a town, we would know automatically, hey, <laughs> bad guys are about to do something bad because nobody's out in town. And we would know automatically our, our situational awareness was on high, high alert. We knew, we knew something bad was about to happen. And I'm urging us tonight to do the exact same thing. There is a situation that you're going to find yourself in tonight where you need to be aware of your surroundings. There is a situation coming, whether you've encountered, or encountered it or not, where you're going to need to be situationally aware. So you see, sin, much like that IED, has a certain smell to it. Sin has a certain sense to it. And if you're saved today, you can recognize that sin in your life. You can be situationally aware enough to realize I'm in danger. But if you don't realize you're in danger at all, it could be that you're the natural man and that you don't know the things of the Lord. Because I can guarantee you if you live long enough, you're going to encounter a situation where you need to be situationally aware. Jesus is telling his disciples here to stay alert and stay alive. Trouble is coming. Dark forces are bearing down. Be aware of your surroundings to know the enemy is close, because the enemy is close. Temptation is in every corner of every room. We can see that in verse 41. This is one of the last things that Jesus would warn his disciples about before he would be crucified. So how many of us can identify sin when it's around? I hope, I hope that we all can. And if you're situationally aware, you'll, you'll be alert, and you'll stay alive in your Christian walk. Remember 2 Samuel chapter 11, where David is on the roof and he sees Bathsheba? He saw Bathsheba, and rather than seeing the situation for what it was, he lingered for a little bit too long. 
And when he lingered a little bit too long, that's when he ended up committing all sorts of egregious sins. As a matter of fact, we see David write multiple psalms of repentance because he had made the mistake of not recognizing his surroundings and being situationally aware to the fact that sin was around every corner, that temptation was around every corner. You may say, well, how can I be situationally aware? Well, if it comes to child raising, you've got a Bible. If it comes to prayer, you've got a Bible. When it comes to reading, hopefully you're reading the Bible and you're seeing these situations. There are multiple people in the Bible who made mistakes, who maybe not were situationally aware that we can learn from. So not only can you learn from the Bible, you can learn from those around you. You may even think, man, that's exhausting because I am constantly on guard. This whole time I've been up here preaching, I've been kind of looking out to my left and I'll make sure nobody's coming up because that's happened before. Somebody walking around over here on the left-hand side. Uh, some of y'all know who I'm talking about. But uh, so I'm very situationally aware, and it's extremely exhausting. I get so worn out thinking that there's danger everywhere. Well, the military prepared me for it. The Bible has prepared me for every possible situation, I hope, for every possible situation that I can find myself in. I, I, I pray that I'm situa- situationally aware tonight. But if you are exhausted from being situationally aware, Matthew eleven twenty eight says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Man, I, I, I take joy in that. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. Amen. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Could it be that we're not situationally aware tonight? We've relaxed in our spiritual life. I think we have. I know there have been times where I have, and I don't have the time to explain every bit of that tonight, but I suspect that many of us tonight have been very, very unaware in our spiritual lives, and that leads us to point number two, the second stage of awareness we find ourselves needing is spiritual awareness. This war that we're in, because we're in one, this war that we're in is spiritual, 100%. So we need to be spiritually aware. Not only do we need to be situationally aware, constantly on guard, of what the devil's trying to do, those spiritual IEDs and those spiritual hand grenades, we need to be spiritually aware because the war that we're in is a spiritual war. There are dark forces around us seeking to destroy us. See, Jesus was about to be betrayed. In in, uh, in verse 45 and 46, we see that Jesus says, all right, go ahead and take, take your rest now because there's about to be some serious trouble. And it was. He was about to be seized. So... Some of us are using fleshly weapons to fight a spiritual war. I know I've done it in the past, and it, wouldn't, it, it won't be long, and we'll see Peter respond to this situation he finds himself in in the garden with anger and violence. And if he had been situationally aware and even spiritually aware, if Peter had been those two things, I suspect that he would have had a lot easier time coping with what was about to come. Because after all, he had, he, Jesus had told him, you're going to deny me three times. And, of course, Peter was incredulous. I'm not going to deny you three times. I'm going to stand with you, Lord. And he also had uh, all the, the other disciples that were present, too, said, no, we're not, going to, we're not going to forsake you either. We're not going to, to deny you either. And they did. So if they had been spiritually aware, I can, I can almost conclude beyond a shadow of a doubt that they would have been prepared for this situation. They would have known it was coming, and they would have been able to be with Jesus in his time of need. And I would encourage us all tonight to be spiritually aware. You see, we're not going to be able to defeat the devil on our own. This is a spiritual war. And, and you may say, well, okay, I need spiritual awareness. What exactly does that mean? I actually want you to, if you have, if you have your Bibles, keep your place there in Matthew 26. But I want you to turn to 1 John chapter 4. 
1 John chapter 4. This is a very familiar passage of scripture as well. But I want you to see this because you need to know and I need to know how to be spiritually aware. I'm going to, I'm going to read this to you as, as you read along. 1 John chapter 4 verse 1. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God. Because many false prophets are gone out into the world. That, that right there is, is conclusive to me. That not every spirit is a good spirit and that this fight that we're in is a spiritual fight. So if you don't understand spiritual awareness tonight, get in the Bible and see where the problems are. Because it is a spiritual battle. Hereby know ye the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth, confesseth that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And, that is, and this is that spirit of antichrist. So we have a spiritual battle. Uh, having been in Iraq all of 2005, I encountered a lot of, uh, a lot of evil. I'll just leave it, leave it at that. A lot of evil on both sides, to be honest with you. There were some atrocities committed on both sides, and there was a lot of evil. And, I, of course, I didn't have to go to Iraq to determine there was a lot of evil because there's a lot of evil around us today. There's a lot of spiritual deficiency today. And it, we need to be not only situationally aware, but we need to be spiritually aware that there are problems around us. And there are instances where being spiritually aware of our surroundings is pretty easy. Um, I don't really have the time to delve into that, but surely if you're saved tonight, you know some of these situations you find yourself in. You're not supposed to be there. You're not supposed to be there. Not only that, it should be that your spirit, the Holy Spirit living in you, convicts you and says you don't need to do those things. So, well, we can try the spirits to see if they're of God. That's what the Bible tells us. If you're confused about which direction to go spiritually, get in the Bible. It will show you. And the reason I say that is Matthew 7, 21 says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. So we have the opportunity tonight to not only be situationally aware, but we should also be spiritually aware. I couldn't possibly tell you tonight what that entails for you. I don't know your personal lives. I don't know what you may be going through. But I can tell you that this conflict that we're in now is spiritual. And the disciples, even after Jesus had been resurrected, were still not exactly sure what had happened. We see Peter would deny Jesus three times shortly after Jesus told him that he would deny him three times. He just wasn't spiritually aware. Matter of fact, Peter, James, and John, there were arguments about who was going to be the greatest in heaven, who was going to get to sit by Jesus. And uh, all of these trivial things, they were, they were majoring on the, uh, the minors and, and missing the, the great details here. Um, we see that uh, we, don't, we personally don't take up our crosses daily like we should. We're not spiritually aware like we should be. And if we were to take up our cross and follow him every day, he will show us where we're spiritually deficient. Not only that, but by the time we become aware of the spiritual battle that we have, a lot of times by the time we become aware, we have become bitter. We become frustrated at the world. We become um, just lackadaisical in our, in our walk. We, we don't do the things we know we're supposed to do. We don't, we don't take up our cross daily. We don't follow the Lord. We don't pray. We don't do all those things that we know we're supposed to do to fight the devil. And then we're surprised when the devil has his way in our life. And it shouldn't be that way because we can have a spiritual awareness tonight. 
Matter of fact, if you want to overcome the devil, that's what you need, is not only situational awareness, but a spiritual awareness as well. Not only do we need a spiritual awareness, but lastly tonight, we're going to look at a saturated awareness. I can't tell you how many times that I have been on guard. Some of you know whenever I'm walking the hallways or whatever, if you pop out of the blue, I'm ready to Judy chop you and... um, So it can be exhausting. Now, most of that's playing, by the way. I'm not really going to hit anybody, maybe. (laughs) But one of the things that I've found myself happening is I may be aware one time, and then after that, I'm going to let my guard down. I I may, okay, that's danger over there, and then I turn my back, and there's danger behind me, but I still go towards it. Knowing that it's dangerous, knowing that I'm not supposed to do that, Knowing that's dangerous, but forgetting and or not caring that that's dangerous. So tonight, we not only need a situational awareness that we're, we're in danger. We also need to know that it's a spiritual battle that we need to be aware of. We also need to not only be aware just one time that we're encountering problems. We need to consistently be aware. We need to be aware that at any moment, any time during the day, the devil's going to attack you. And he's going to attack you whenever you're down. When it's easy once you're down really, really low for the devil to come kick you down even further. And if you don't have a saturated awareness, meaning if you're not watering your awareness with the Holy Spirit, watering your awareness with the Bible and praying, when you're not doing that, this is where the devil gets in. He told them twice, don't fall asleep, watch with me, pray with me. And twice the disciples failed him. And I can't help but to think how many times that I failed him in the same manner. These are disciples. They knew Jesus better than anybody. And yet they failed him. What makes us any different? We fail the Lord all the time. You know, I, just, I told the story just a minute ago about this piece of shrapnel right here. And it's a true story, by the way. I didn't just make that up. Hopefully you don't think I just made that up. But the first ID that hit us in our platoon was the ID that actually wounded me. Um, I had shrapnel in my hand. It rearranged some vertebrae in my neck. It blew my sunglasses off. It gave me a concussion. All in all, it wasn't the worst thing to have happened to people over there. So that first ID went off September the 30th, 2005. It hit my Humvee. And I lived. It was very tense for a few moments because I wasn't sure if I was actually alive. It was almost like an out-of-body experience. But... We had been warned, hey, there are IEDs out here. Matter of fact, the hole that the IED was sitting in was probably as big as this row of chairs right here. It was probably 10, 12 feet wide. So we had to go around it while we were on patrol. It took up more than half of the highway that we would travel there on Route Bronze. And so we knew, hey, there's danger ahead. We would see it, and, we'd, and as a gunner, I would just sit down in the gunner's hatch when I saw that hole. Matter of fact, I would sit down in the gunner's hatch when I saw every hole, and there were a lot of them in the road. So, because insurgents would put IDs in dead animals, they put IDs in former holes, they put, they dig fresh holes and put IDs in there. And so, the, what I'm going to tell you now is something that uh, I don't glory in. I want you guys to understand that. It, this is part of my testimony. I'm not proud of the things, some of the things that I did in Iraq. I've since repented of and I've given it to the Lord. But there was one particular patrol that we were out on where we had set up an ECP. An ECP was an entry control point where, and it was off the main artery, out in the sort of the off the road there in the desert. 
So people would uh, try to bypass patrols and they would try to take, you know, side roads or whatever. We set up a little ECP on the side road and we stopped one guy on a moped and the, and the, guy, had, um, the guy had adult beverages. And in uh, Iraq, you're not supposed to have that. So once again, I'm not saying this to highlight any of my sin. I, I, don't, I don't take glory in this whatsoever. We began to take that adult beverage and pass it around. And I want you to think about this. I was, I, there were multiple times where I almost died. I almost died multiple times just, just in, in the three and a half months we were in the al province. But I let my guard down. I wasn't saturated in my awareness. Other times, yes, high alert. IEDs, I'm ready. Blocked ambush, let's do it. My machine gun can sing like the best of them. I'm ready. Let's do this. Then there are other times where I just sat on my hands and we passed adult beverages around. And this went on for probably 30 minutes to an hour. And it was, we were so clumsy by the time we left there. It was incredible. We were falling over. And I'm a gunner. I'm on top of a Humvee. And I'm responsible for the four other guys in my Humvee. I'm the one who's supposed to protect them. Yet I've let my guard down. That same day, that same moment, after we broke our ECP down and got back out on the main road, I'm not kidding, we're going back towards our main base there, and all of a sudden, one person in my platoon, one person who had not been drinking, had the wherewithal to be paying attention. One person. Out of 25, he was the only one not drinking. He happened to see a tire in the road that had wires sticking out of it. Now, you know the rest of the story there. It was an IED. What had happened was, while we were over here getting sloppy, the enemy was sowing tares among the wheat. And I almost lost my life that day also because I let my guard down. I was not saturated with awareness. And I thank the Lord that somebody was paying attention that day. I thank the Lord somebody was paying attention that day because... To, to, to this day, I'm alive, and I genuinely believe this with all of my heart. I'm alive because one person was paying attention. I didn't have the saturated awareness of the, the enemy around me. I took for granted that I had nine lives or whatever. And I hope tonight that somebody somewhere tonight here is saturated with their awareness. It could be that your children are depending on it. It could be that your wives are depending on it, husbands. It could be your church is depending on it. Somebody has to have a saturated awareness. You need to know the situation you're in that you could be in. You need to know that there's a spiritual element to this. There's a spiritual awareness that is needed. You also need to have a saturated awareness. And I know it gets really, really tiring. I know it gets really tiring. But I thank, I thank the Lord that somebody that day was paying attention. I really do. I, I, I genuinely don't think that I would be here today if somebody hadn't been paying attention. And I know I mention Iraq a lot, but it's something that, that shaped and changed the way I look at life. I also think of this as well, the historical application. Um, lots of things have been written about World War I and World War II and, and the things of uh, the interwar period there in between World War I and World War II. Speaking of saturated awareness, on the hills of World War I, Germany had a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, I guess, laws passed that kind of restricted what it was supposed to do. And it was a ban on firearms. It was to have to pay reparations. It was to disband their military. I mean, uh, very harsh and rightfully so rules and laws that they had to abide by. But over time, systematically, Germany 
and its uh, counterparts around the globe just kind of let their guard down. They just kind of sat on their hands. They didn't do much. Knowing, I'm sure they had to know, that Germany would eventually have the capability. Of course, we have historical foresight or hindsight. We can see 2020 looking back at it now. But Germany began to build up its military. It began to build more arms, and it began to um, uh, elect crazy leaders, as it turns out. And eventually, before we know it, World War II starts. And I think spiritually, applying that to our lives, they, they had no saturated awareness. They put their foot down at first, but then the, the European allies put their foot down at first, and then after that, 10, 15 years go by, and eventually we're embroiled in World War II. And if we're going to win this war tonight, if we're going to not fall victim to the enemy, because it was the enemy who sowed the tares, if we're not going to fall victim, if we're not going to give in to temptation, if we're going to avoid uh, catastrophe in our lives, we're going to have to be situationally aware. We're going to have to be spiritually aware. And we're also going to have to stay aware. Can't go to sleep tonight. Don't do what the disciples did tonight. With every head bowed and every eye closed, we're going to go ahead and close tonight. Father, I, I thank you for loving us. I, I thank you once again for what you've done in my life. I'm, I praise your holy name tonight. and. I pray that your, your word and your will will be done once again in this service. I pray that if there's someone here who's not aware of their surroundings, I pray that tonight will be the night they, they become aware, Father. I pray the Bible will be opened more. I pray that prayers will be said more, Father. I pray that husbands will love their wives, and I pray that children will obey their parents, Father. I thank you for what you're going to do in the service and the weeks to come. Give us the grace that we don't deserve, Lord, and continue to bless us as we try to do your will. For it's in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.